Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and whoa, 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 welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, June 26th. Been a while since I've done an episode. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year's Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns as you, that you might have, as well as the Gmail, which is LockdownPadres at gmail.com, and I'll do my very best to answer them right here on the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember to go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Now, guys, let me let me just tell you, as I alluded to, that you can ask me questions. That's what we're doing today. It's the first ever mailbag-centric episode. I guess you could say I've had episodes where I've answered a couple questions and just kind of made them the total topic of the show that people have sent along. But this is the first time I kind of just went out on Twitter and just asked people, hey, uh, you know, what questions you got? Because I'm trying to, you know, a couple questions and whatnot, because I know this week is all about the whole, oh, baseball's coming back. We got a 60 game schedule they agreed on. It's the around July 20th, the 24th or whatever is when we're expected to return. And I'm going to probably do a separate episode tomorrow about that and just how I feel about the return of the season in general. Might allude to it a little bit today, let's be honest. But today I got a bunch of questions on Twitter that I'm going to answer just like that. It's very exciting, actually. And remember, guys, go check it out. I know that there is more people who listen to my podcast than um, than set in questions. Not going to lie, a lot of the people that uh, set in questions are people who know me or are part of the Lockdown Network. But still, I'm going to answer them because that's what I promised I would do with a little tweet. You guys should see the little tweet. It's a little Crash Bandicoot in his little cart because of Crash Nitro cart. And that leads me to my first question. Why don't you talk enough about Diddy Kong racing enough? This is from uh, at Drainsworth on Twitter. Uh, He's a friend of mine, actually, and I don't even know if he was being serious. He probably wasn't, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to answer it anyway. First of all, Diddy Kong Racing, uh, a solid game, Nintendo 64. Uh, All the kart racing games, I've just never been wild on on like any of them. I just thought the picture was funny and stupid and would grab people's attention because it has nothing to do with uh, a mailbag, really. Yeah, I just think a lot of kart games are really silly. I've never been that high on Mario Kart. I've never been that high on Crash Kart or Crash Nitro Kart, whatever you want to call it. They're just kind of there. Although I will say Diddy Kong Racing does get a little bit left behind. I mean, it's a it's decent. Like, it's it's fun. I remember playing that, like, one time at uh, my friend's house that I used to go. I think I played it at my cousin's a couple times. It was fun. It's fine. But I do think that, in general, kart racing games get um, a little bit overrated. And they're extremely just, like, compared to all the other multiplayer-type fun party games you can play... I just don't think they're as fun. I'm, I'm Team Mario Party in terms of that's the best party game out there. Like, it's not even close. Forget Smash Brothers, forget Mario Kart, forget Diddy Kong Racing, whatever. That's the funnest thing. But, uh, yeah. And this is a baseball podcast, by the way, guys. This is a baseball podcast. <laughs> so now let me get into uh, an actual question that has more to do with uh, baseball. And that's from another friend of mine, Mr. Xander Vitas, uh, on Twitter at AlexRodVitas13. He said, two questions, over under 15 and a half home runs for Fernando Tatis Jr. And also, WTF is going on with Manny Machado's facial hair. So to answer your first question, um, I'm going to go under. I would have gone over if the season, I would go over on basically anything for Fernando Tatis for Mr. El Nino, just because I'm such a fan. And of course, he's probably like the, the most exciting player in all of baseball, to be perfectly honest with you. Got a hiccup there. But 
Honestly, I can't even get over the fact that I don't even know how long we're going to have baseball. I know that we're going to have 60 games. I don't know. I have a feeling he's going to hit two home runs because we might play for a week and then shut down. So I'm going to take the under on that. Uh, If it was... Even if I knew for sure we were getting 60 games, I mean, 15 and a half home runs is a lot over the course of 60 games. So that's still like a pretty sizable amount of home runs. That's like, what, one every like five games around that? I don't know. I can't do math. But uh, I do know he's going to be quite good. I don't know it, but I'm, I'm hoping for it. And also, in fairness, I mean, he hasn't played like a full season. And if, you know, it's small sample size, even if it was a great sample size. And also, he's got a really high strikeout percentage. So it's not totally uh, inconceivable that in a shortened season, especially, that Tatis gets off to like a bad start and maybe doesn't replicate the same type of magic that he had before. So, yeah. And also, what is going on with Manny Machado's facial hair? I actually was thinking this the other day because I saw a picture of him, like the kind of an update thing. He's kind of got like a little mini goatee and then like the sideburns are a little bit out right now. And it's different than what he usually looks like, which is basically almost entirely clean shaven. From every time I've seen Manny Machado, he's basically always clean shaven. And for once, he's not really like that. I mean, I think he, when he was on the Dodgers, he had a little bit of a, a, a goatee or something like that under his chin. Uh, but for the most part, I know with the Padres, he was entirely clean shaven for the most part. I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that. I'm assuming it's just because he, maybe he was experimenting being in quarantine and all that. Maybe he was thinking about, oh, let me just try this thing out. And then I guess he decided like, I want to show that I have facial hair, but not go too far. You know what I mean? I want to Johnny Damon this thing. And I certainly don't want a New York Yankees this thing where I'm forced to shave everything off because they don't want anyone to have a personality. So yeah, that's that's an excellent question. I had not thought of this, and I was actually, I remember seeing him like on Instagram a few days ago, maybe? I forgot what it was when I saw him again. I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting. I don't remember him looking like that. But you know what? He didn't have such a great season, so maybe last year, uh, you know, maybe this year he's trying to change things up a bit. Maybe it's a little superstitious stuff going on right now. He wasn't bad last year. It's just he wasn't Manny Machado last year, I guess is the way to say it. And the next question comes from Mr. Sully Baseball at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Mr. Paul Francis Sullivan, otherwise known as just call him Sully. Everyone, that's what he keeps asking. Just call him Sully, please. Uh, he's he's a big he's host of the the Lockdown MLB podcast that I'm always plugging like on every episode. And he asked, "What is the one play? One play in all capitals, by the way. That's the key part of this. What is the one play in Padres history we'd like to have back?" So the first one that comes to mind. Um, is definitely the 1984 World Series with Kirk Gibson homering off of Goose Gossage, who clearly, when you look at all the uh, the footage and also when they talk about it afterwards, that they were thinking of taking him out, uh, Goose Gossage, I mean, and not having him pitch to Gibson and Gossage, you know, shook them off. This was this was probably the greatest crime of Goose Gossage, who, when it comes to attitude-related things, I would say he's performed his fair share of atrocities in some things he's said uh, over the days. He's definitely kind of like the old man dude when it comes to uh, baseball players or retired baseball players. He definitely comes off like that in a lot of ways. So that's kind of the first one that comes to mind in that 1984 World Series. I believe it was Game 5, and I think it was also the first pitch that uh, Gibson homered off of him. So I'd probably take that back. Um, but it's hard, to t- it's hard to think of just one play in baseball of all sports, you know what I mean, to take back. Um, I think the ultimate one play in all of sports is the Seahawks uh, Super Bowl against the Patriots. Just I know all analytics Twitter and analytics people are like, they actually should have thrown a pass on this. It's like, actually, just give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is very good. What are we doing? (laughs) 
He's just star running back. I don't care if he wasn't having that great of a game. Shut up with the goddamn analytics sometimes. Anyway, so that would probably be the one play I'd take back. In terms of other one things, uh, signing Eric Hosmer would be the other one <laughs> that I would say is a, a big regret. But uh, those are kind of the one things I would take back. And the roast of Eric Hosmer that I just gave there, um, next week I'm planning on actually having uh, an episode where we talk about Eric Hosmer specifically with a friend of mine and Mr. Ryland Styles of Locked On Royals. It's going to be like a double feature for different reasons. It's going to be fun. I'm actually really excited for it. And it is clearly indicative of the fact that, you know, I'm kind of trying to come up with different ways of content. But still, I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun with it. I think a lot of Padres fans agree. Uh, Eric Hosmer, extremely not good. Now, before we get into some more questions, guys, I want to take a second to talk to you about what is it? What do you think I'm going to talk to you about? I mean, I've said this so many times. I've said it for the past like month and a half. You know what I'm going to talk about. That's right. It's Built Bar. That's right. The super tasty protein bars that taste just like candy bars. I actually the other day was just craving one and I, I just thought to myself, give me give me the banana bread one. That's my favorite one, honestly, out of all the ones that they had. I also mint brownie, which I talked about because mint brownie is not typically a flavor I like of anything in general. I just think our obsession with mints, aside from mints that you have, like the little candy cane colored things that after you have a meal at a restaurant, aside from that, mint flavored stuff, never been in on it. But I must say the mint brownie was really good and that really just speaks to how good Built Bar is. They've got 16 amazing flavors outside of the ones I just kind of talked to you about. Eight chocolate nut flavors and eight chocolate nut free flavors. They're soft and easy to chew. And of course, they're really great for the health conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. And guys, you will get $10 off your first order. That's right, $10 off your first order. So remember, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And next, really quickly, guys. Just want to talk for a quick second about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands. Specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always wow are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their "How did you hear about us?" box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. And now that the little kind of ads are out of the way, guys, we're going to continue with the mailbag. We're going to keep it rolling. And what do I want to talk about next? What's the next question here? Aha! Next question, guys, it comes from Sean Sears at Sean R. Sears on Twitter. He's host of Locked on Cubs. His question is, are you a fan of the brown and yellow coming back or nah? So... That is a great question, and of course I'm a fan of it, because the blue and white, navy blue and white thing, it's just so generic, you know? It's just for any uniform in general, by the way. The only uniform that I think could be 
uh, made better with that blue, uh, that navy blue and white uniform that the Padres were using last year, is maybe if that was like the Yankees away uniform. This is something I've ranted about before with some some people in my life, where I think the Yankees away uniforms are the worst uniforms in history of like any sport. They literally look like they put no effort. Home uniforms are of course iconic and all that's and all the uh, ways with the pinstripes, but I think their away uniforms are an abomination. And I feel like that Padres look is something they could, you know, try out. Try try doing that for your away uniforms. Just do something. I mean, come on, Yankees. Jeez, Louise. But anyway, uh, the brown and yellow is really cool. I know people are a lot of fa- I mean, all like the best like kind of Padres moments. I mean, that 84 team with the brown and yellow. It's just a nice callback. And it's kind of rare, I think, that teams change up their uniforms these days to being not only just something new, but something that has also been done before when they go backwards, where seemingly everyone is in on this. I don't know many Padres people who are like, yeah, I'm out on the brown and yellow. I know some people like the camo. I know some people like the, I don't know, there's some people who probably like the navy, but I just was like, I like this. It feels right. It feels unique. It gives a flavor to the team. And for a team that really has hope coming back, it's kind of really symbolic in a lot of ways where the team is showing hope just like it did in those 84 seasons uh for the first time in a while where everybody's like this team might just be a contender not only just now in terms of just maybe being a playoff contender but in a few years they could be like a world series competitor if people like Mackenzie Gore and, and all these guys like really pan out the way that they're expecting so that's really cool so yeah I'm, I'm 100% pro uh brown and yellow uniforms for sure uh super unique and I don't really think there's any other team in all of sports uh, I might be missing maybe an NHL team because I'm not too familiar with the NHL uh, that has any uniform color palette that's really as similar as the Padres. Next next question, guys, comes from Ulysses Sombrano, uh, who is the host of the Locked On Rays podcast. He's at Sambrano Ulysses on Twitter, and he asks, who will have a better season, Tommy Pham or Hunter Renfro? This is a great question, and it's very uh, on brand for Ulysses to ask this. I will say this. I've been, since the early days of this podcast, calling Tommy Pham a warlock. I still love that trade. I still love that they got this very solid, just definition of like a solid, really underrated kind of outfielder. I mentioned how he kind of reminds me of Hunter Pence from when he was back in his prime. I think Hunter Pence was a little bit better and more consistent. But back in his prime, Hunter Pence has, in terms of a narrative, I think people forgot that, yeah, he had the dorky swing and whatnot, but he was one of the most underrated like outfielders in the game. I think he was secretly like a top 10 outfielder, basically, if you go and look at the numbers. He was really excellent. And Pham is not as dorky looking, for sure. He definitely is a more professional, classical looking baseball player but he's definitely um one of those guys I think people forget how good he is right now I will say this though I'm a little bit less bullish on the trade because the Rays are really good at kind of developing guys and developing guys kind of seemingly out of nowhere in a lot of different ways um especially when it comes to their pitching department I I think they always they always have some guy who just kind of comes out of nowhere and just becomes an ace pitcher. I mean, they, they always managed to do this, whether it was David Price or Blake Snell or even Drew Smiley. There was a point when that guy was pretty good, and then he, of course, fell off a cliff. But you get what I'm saying. One thing I'm worried about is Hunter Renfro became a decidedly good defensive player last year. Defensive war of 1.6 is excellent, and that's something that... If, if assuming this isn't just some random outlier season and he really has improved as a defensive player and it's just that's going to be one of his things, 
then maybe, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm going to still say Tommy Pham will have a better season, but in a shortened season, assuming we do get this shortened season, there were times when I think it was May last year when Renfro did a lot better when he batted 260, still has a problem with, you know, just taking a walk or two, but he had like 17 home runs or something crazy like that, I think, in, in May, if I'm not mistaken. You guys can go check me on that. But he was really good for one month, so I could see Renfro blowing up for like a shortened period of time. So it's not completely out of the question that in a shortened season that um, Hunter Renfro has a better year. I could definitely see that. But if it was the a more extrapolated over 162-game season, I don't think we've seen anything to suggest that Hunter Renfro is going to be nearly the consistent offensive player that uh, Tommy Pham is with the Rays and the Cardinals. Um, some of his best years at the Cardinals, for sure. I think that, though, the defense, I'm a lot less bullish on the trade. It is exciting that Renfro was such a good defensive player. He's still a former draft, uh, top draft pick. Maybe he develops later. Um, but in a shortened season, I could see it, but I'm still going to go with Tommy Pham because if you just look at the numbers, you look at his splits from each month over the course of his career, he's not really a guy who's ever really had that month where he tanks or he's never been a guy who usually starts off slow. Like He's really just consistent throughout the, whole, the entire course of the season. He kind of gives you what you want. So I'm still going to go with... Um, Tommy Pham, but yes, it is a question with a shortened season. I could see this guy going and hitting like 25 home runs, maybe batting 270, 320 on base, and maybe, you know, Tommy Pham fumbles into a little bit of a slump and what have you, and he's not like necessarily as good as a defensive player as Hunter Renfro. So I could see it, but I'm, it's definitely a fun one. I'm, I'm out of all the players that the Padres have traded in a while, this is one of the ones. It gets me a little nervous. I could see him doing really good for the Rays. But anyway, that's enough for that question. Next question. What is your favorite taco to have on Taco Tuesday at Petco? Mine was the Tri-Trip. That is from Jeff uh, at Jeff Carr on Twitter. He is the host of the Locked On Reds podcast. Go check that out, guys. Um, So here's the thing where I come clean and just say, no, I'm just kidding. I don't have to come clean because you guys know I'm not from San Diego. I've never been to Petco Park. But a friend of mine, he did talk about how the Taco Tuesday thing was kind of a big deal down there. And I was looking up some things that there's all these like specials and it's like $2.50 tacos and all this. People get a lot of them. I will say in general, I'm pro just having a mishmash of all sorts of things on my taco. Give me pico slaw, serrano cilantro, uh, cuchita cheese. Uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. I always just ask people to get me the thing that sounds like the thing. Um, but I'm super pro tacos in every sense of the word uh, and phrase. I think that Taco Tuesday almost had, I remember there was that moment with LeBron where he tried to trademark Taco Tuesday, which was complete baloney, by the way. I was so bad at that. There was this stretch in 2019 where celebrities just went a little nuts, and they're still going nuts a little bit in their own way in 2020 for different reasons, but where it was like Kylie Jenner was trying to trademark like Good Morning Sunshine or something like that. And uh, LeBron James was trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. It was like these friggin' fake baloney type of ways of taking these really regular ass things to say and trying to trademark them. It was just stupid and I couldn't stand it. I'm like, the open greed (laughs) coming from these people is insane. Them trying to get off on this. So yeah, I just remember that being a thing. But yeah, um, I'd love to go to Petco Park for sure one day and I'd love to definitely check out Taco Tuesday um, in any way. And I have to go one day just so I can see what exact flavors and stuff that they have down there. But I know it's a big deal for all the folks at Petco. So shout out to Petco. Park and Taco Tuesday. And now, the last question of the podcast. 
arguably the best question. It comes from Locked On A's, um, which is at Locked On A's on Twitter. And you could also check out Jason Burke on Twitter. So the question is, in their best 60-game stretch last season, the Padres went, the hashtag Padres, went 31-29. and 29. What do you think their record will be in 2020? I think that that's actually a remarkably good like approximate for them a 31 and 29 team. I think they could go slightly above 500. I don't think that they've I think still one of the issues is they do have Paddock and I'm pretty confident in Denelson Lamet having like kind of a breakout season with his unbelievable kind of a strikeout miss and whiff stuff, but it's definitely not a team. There's still some depth issues. They still don't have like those those nice like 7 or 8 whole batters who are just going to kind of get on base for you. They've still got a lot of questions with center field. Um, obviously, with one of the exciting things, just to talk about it generally, is that the teams, every team this year, if the 60-game schedule is really what we're doing, every team kind of has a chance of just getting hot for a little bit. Like, seriously, like there's this is kind of like an every team sort of thing. Um, which is really exciting <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I think that if baseball is is happening, which, you know, I know they're saying it's happening, but I'm not 100% confident that, you know, there's already been players that have kind of tested positive. We'll get to that on another episode. But um, that's kind of what I see for them. But in another way, I could see it's it's really weird. Like, this is so weird. I mean, there was that point pre uh, all-Star break, I think, where the, the no, was it pre-All-Star break? I think it was after the All-Star break, like the kind of waning months that the Padres were really, really good and things started to come together. It's just everybody kind of fell into a slump at one point of the season. And that was what was so awful about it. I mean, Renfro was batting like 190 at one point, I'm pretty sure. Not like in total, but like he had a stretch where he was batting like 190 and it's like, all right, cool. We like the home runs and we love that game against the Rockies last year where you hit three of them. But for the most part, they're really inconsistent. And Tatis is really what brought everybody back to life. So a full season of Tatis, full season of Tommy Pham, by default, should make your team better. But it's hard to project anything about the team, honestly. But I will say, I was looking at a Fangraphs uh, article about what teams have the greatest like improvement in their winning odds, championship odds and all that, and also the lowest, like who went downwards. The Padres were still kind of in the middle, which is, I'd say, a good sign. I imagine that this affects teams the most who have guys that are injured right now. So like the Yankees are one of them because they you know don't have Severino and they Judge was maybe expected to miss time. Stanton was... I assume probably going to miss some time. That dude's always hurt. So like guys like teams like that who maybe might st- start off really slow because of all the injuries, um, those teams are being really affected. But for now, that's what I'm ex- expecting. A 31-29 and 29 record, that's exactly what I'm ex- expecting. Um, if they do better, that'd be great. But for the most part, I don't see this as being a team that's going to run over people unless they catch fire and baseball randomness and the arbitrary nature sometimes of how teams perform every now and then that that just kicks in the gear. You know, maybe they could be this year's kind of twins to a degree where they just everybody catches fire offensively and they are carried by that for the whole 60 game schedule. But yeah, that's the last question, guys, of the mailbag. I had a lot of fun doing this. I hope you guys ask me some questions. Remember, it's LockedOnPadres at gmail.com or at LO underscore Padres on Twitter or at Javapeno. Send me any questions. I literally spent like like five minutes talking about Diddy Kong Racing at the beginning of this podcast. I don't care. I just want to hear people ask me questions and listening to podcasts growing up and some celebrities and them answering questions on Twitter. It kind of makes me feel like that to a degree, to a smaller extent. It gets me excited when uh, people ask me questions and whatnot. But with that being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked 
on Padres Podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And also, if you guys would do me a favor and tell your smart devices to play Locked on MLB, it is hosted by my man, Sully, the aforementioned Sully, who asked that question about my the one play I would take back. He's doing all sorts of cool things there. Uh, seriously, I mean, he is such a good baseball historian. He's so smart and so good with the game and revising things and talking about some players you've never even heard of. Like, a really informative podcast when it comes to baseball history. Not just talking about the current, because, you know, we don't have current sports going on, but all the things in the past. So, He's been doing a really good job there. So uh, until next time, guys, of course, stay safe. And of course, of course, of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.